to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. Bibles go to Proverbs chapter 19. Father, I thank you again for your word tonight. I thank you for revealing the kingdom of God to us that we understand it, we learn about it, we learn how to live in it, we learn how to fulfill the purpose that you gave us here on the earth. We thank you for the spirit of God tonight and the anointing. Let it change our hearts and our minds to line up with you. More of your thoughts, more of your will, more of your actions in our life and we thank you for it in Jesus name and everybody said Amen. Amen. All right. Proverbs chapter 19, last week we talked basically about the big picture, if you want to call it that, what we were here for, what God wants to do. God's will was basically to create an invisible place called heaven. He became king of heaven. Then he also wanted to start a colony, and that he made a visible place called earth. And he made creatures, which are us, to put on earth and gave us the rule and the reign down here on the earth. His desire is that heaven and earth be exactly the same, that both would be in the same utopia, both would be in the same position. Proverbs chapter 19, look at verse 21. It says, There are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord that shall stand. Another translation says, Many are the plans in the heart of a man, but God's purpose will prevail. This tells you that God is motivated by his purpose. He's not motivated by our plans, but he's motivated by our purpose. God's purpose, once again, was to establish his kingdom on earth through his creation of mankind, to create a family, and to make earth a colony of heaven. The Bible said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, let him have dominion on the earth realm. So if we understand God's purpose and get in line with it, then we can line our plans up with his purpose, and our plans will be good, because basically we're in the purpose of God. Purpose means the original intent. It means the why something was created. How many of you know that everything that was created had a purpose or it wouldn't have been created to begin with? So basically purpose answers the why. Why did God create the earth? Why did God create heaven? Why did God create mankind? Why did God create you? Success comes when a created thing fulfills its purpose. The only success in our lives here is when we fulfill the purpose that we were put here to do. You can be successful in a lot of different things, but if it's not the right thing, you're still a failure because you did not succeed in the reason that you were put here, which was God's purpose. How many of you know you can create a dishwasher, but if it don't wash dishes, it does not fulfill the purpose. You can have a car, if a car don't run, it does not fulfill the purpose. It's the same thing with mankind. The only thing God wants is his purpose, his will, not our will, and not really many times our plans, but his purpose. Here it says, many are the plans in a man's heart. How many know that's the truth? What do I want to do? Where do I want to go? What do I think is going to make me happy? What is important to me? But before we make our plans, we need to consult his purpose so that our plans are within his purpose. My plans basically centered around everything but his purpose until I found out and discovered the kingdom of God and found out his purpose. So now, every day, no matter what I do and what my plans are, his purpose comes before my plans. 
His purpose has to be priority in everything that I do. So I still play basketball. If I'm going up to Vero Beach to play basketball in the morning time, I used to go up there to play, to try to get in, to try to do good, to try to make a couple shots, try to do all this. But the purpose of me going up there in God's eyes are not how much I score or how much I do. It's an opportunity to witness and extend the kingdom to someone else who's already there. If that is my purpose for going there, it doesn't matter if I make any baskets at all, if I don't do anything good at all. Basically, as long as I'm doing God's purpose first and I get a chance to witness to one person or help one person, I've completed his purpose for that day no matter what I did in my plans. This is why many vacations turn out to be disasters. I mean, no one ever plan a vacation. We plan a vacation. So we're using our own plans of where we're going, what we're going to do, and we've all got this thing about how wonderful it's going to be and how nice the weather's going to be. And then when things don't work out, we go to vacation, come back depressed. But notice, if you put his purpose first, well, if we're going here, then I'm going to be looking at all times for a chance to extend his kingdom policy to someone else. I'm going to use, use my knowledge to help someone else, to bless someone else. If I'm driving in the car there, I can be praying in the Holy Ghost, which is extending his kingdom in me at that time. So I'm constantly, whatever plan I make, I put his purpose ahead of my plan. It don't mean you can't do what you want to do. You just do what you want to do with a purpose of God in mind first before you do what you want to do. And what does this do? It brings peace into your life. It brings joy into your life. What steals your joy? When your plans don't work out. Well, your plans will always work out if you're always constantly looking to extend the kingdom of God, extend the morals of God, extend the spirit of God into other people's lives and other places. So by doing that, basically, we are prospering in what we are doing, and we are fulfilling our purpose. So his purpose must be the priority in your life. Your plans must be second to his purpose. So wherever you go, you go to the grocery store, what are we doing? We're looking for an opportunity to extend his kingdom. That's what he wants us to do. That's what we were created for. Can we still buy with the groceries we want? Yes. Can we still buy ice cream? Yes. Can we still get everything that we want? Yes. But we're still looking for an opportunity. And sometimes you can do it by just a smile at somebody or just a wave at somebody or just a how you doing or help somebody with their groceries. Or there's times when I bought one, got one free, and I knew we couldn't eat the first one, much less the second one. So I just gave it to somebody on the way out of the store. Here, take the second one. We're not even going to eat the first loaf of bread, for God's sakes. So you give it to him. What are you doing? You're looking for a way to extend the kingdom. Therefore, your purpose is ahead of your plans. How many know God's not that interested in your plans? He's more interested in his purpose. Because he created us. This is what we are created to do. So success in the world's eyes is not success at all. Who's got the biggest car? Who's got the biggest house? Who's got the most money? That has no success rating with God whatsoever. God wants to extend his kingdom. Unless you're using your big house to extend his kingdom, unless you're using your fine car to extend his kingdom, God could care less how much money you got. It's not going to depend on how much money you got, whether you end in glory when you die anyway. It's got to do with how much of his purpose. So one of the greatest failures right now in life is basically to be successful in the wrong thing. There are people who are being successful in the wrong thing right now. There are famous athletes who've been given a God ability in order to be a platform. They're not using their ability to be a platform. They're using their ability to be a platform for themselves and be a God for themselves. How many know they're misusing? But in the world's eyes, oh, they're successful. My gosh, they're one of the, I wish I could have their autograph. I wish I could run into them. I wish they are not successful at all in the spirit realm or the kingdom of God whatsoever because their plans are there without God's purpose whatsoever. So God's purpose is very important. We need to know his purpose in order to do our plans and keep our peace and joy in them. God's purpose today is the same as in Genesis chapter 1 before Adam and Eve messed up. He created man in his image, 
in his likeness, gave him dominion, and put him in the earth realm to colonize the earth so it turns out just like heaven. A lot of people think that heaven's supposed to be wonderful and God expects earth just to be terrible. But that's not God's idea, that's man's idea. Basically, God wants earth to be just like heaven, as in heaven, as on earth, basically, is what God even wants us to pray. He wants us to pray that his kingdom gets extended down here and the earth becomes a colony just like heaven is. All right, go to Matthew chapter 5. Whenever you start to lose your peace and joy on a venture to do anything, it's because you've put his plans ahead of God's purpose. I've learned to learn that. If it's not working out, why? I'm more frustrated because my plans aren't working out. Not even thinking about his purpose, maybe, what's going on in that plan. All right, Matthew chapter 5. Look at verse 17. Jesus says, Think not that I have come to destroy the law or the prophets. I have not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Here's Jesus speaking. He says, I did not come to destroy or change the law or change the prophets. I did not come with a new idea. I'm not coming with a new concept. I'm not coming with a new purpose to change the law. He came to restore God's original intent or his purpose or his will here in the kingdom of earth to establish his kingdom on earth. And he wants to do that through mankind through us. Look at verse 18. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Here he says, till all be fulfilled. Heaven and earth may pass away, but not one word of my purpose, God says, not one word of my will, none of my original tent will be changed God says, if I have to move heaven and earth in order to fulfill my original purpose, I will do it. I mean, no, he's going to do it. He's going to create a new heavens and an earth. So he's, he's basically prophesying here something. I'm going to fulfill my original intent and my will. It will happen. Now notice what it says. Till all be fulfilled. Say, till all be fulfilled. Now how many of you know man before Jesus came could not fulfill the law? The law was given by Moses, what we were supposed to do, how we were supposed to act. People tried their best, but they could not do it. Why is that? Because they were not a righteous creature. They were an unrighteous creature because of what Adam and Eve did in the garden. We were born unrighteously. We tried our best to do good. Paul puts it in Romans that whatever I wanted to do, I didn't do. Whatever I didn't want to do, I didn't do. Why is that? Because the nature on the inside of him was still the sin natures on the inside of him. Jesus said, you could not fulfill the law, so I came to fulfill that law. Well, how did he do it? He suffered and died on the cross, and basically with his blood, he made us righteous creatures, not by what we do, but by what he did. So we were righteous by the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says basically he came to fulfill the prophets, not eliminate them, but fulfill them. If you check the prophets, what were they in Old Testament for? They were prophesying, the Messiah's coming, the kingdom's coming, Jesus is coming. And when Jesus got here, you should no longer prophesy that because he was already here. So he fulfilled the prophets and he fulfilled the law at the same time. Nobody prophesied after that the king is coming because how many know the king already came? If, if somebody's teaching you the law, they're off base because the law has been eliminated. You can't do anything to become righteous. You're righteous because of what he did by his blood and he's made us the righteousness of God in Christ. All right, go to Mark chapter 9.
All right, Mark chapter 9, look at verse 1. And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that there be some of them that stand here, which shall not taste of death, till they have seen the kingdom of God come with power. And after six days Jesus takes with him Peter and James and John, and leads them up into a high mountain apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. And his raiment became shining, exceeding white as snow, so as no fuller on earth could white them. And there appeared unto him Elias and with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter answered and said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. And let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, one for Elias. For he wist not what to say, for they were sore afraid. And there was a cloud that overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud, and it said, This is my beloved Son, hear ye him. Now this is called the Mount of Transfiguration. Figuration, I call it the mountain of transference. Basically, the kingdom of God was going to come, and when it comes, it's going to come with something called power. Say power. So he runs into Elijah there. He runs into Moses there. Why did he run into Moses there? Because Moses was a representative of the law. He's the one God gave the law to. He's the one who had the Ten Commandments. He's the one who presented it to the people who then could not keep the law. Elijah basically was the prophet's. He was there representing the prophets. I believe Jesus was saying, great job, Elijah. You did a great job proclaiming that I'd be here, and I'm here. I believe he went to Moses and said, you did a great job talking about the law, but now you don't have to teach the law anymore because I've already provided, and I'm going to provide a new way of righteousness for mankind, so you don't have to do that anymore. What do you have to do? The father steps in and says, this is my beloved son. Hear him. Say, hear him. So notice there was a, there's a change here. No longer listening to the law, no longer listening to the prophets, but now we're going to listen to him. Who's the him it's talking about? Talking about Jesus Christ. All right. So if we want to hear him, if we want to obey the scripture, then we're going to have to hear Jesus, aren't we? And if you go through the four gospels, how many know that's where Jesus is teaching in the four gospels? And you go through the four gospels and what did Jesus teach on? Did he teach on faith? No. Did he teach on healing? No. He taught on the kingdom of God. This is what the kingdom of God is like. This is how the kingdom of God operates. This is the way the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God is like this. What was his teaching? His teaching was on the kingdom of God. Why? Because his purpose was to bring back the kingdom of God into the earth realm again. He is the first guy who basically came back with the spirit of God on the inside of him, and he brought the kingdom of God with him through the spirit of God. So notice what the father said. He said, now hear ye him. All right, go to Luke 16. I've read the four Gospels many times, and I've got to be honest with you, I never noticed that that's what he taught until I started studying the kingdom of God. And every place, it's in the red. It's got something to do with the kingdom of God. Every place was in there. I just, I don't know what I was thinking when I was doing it, praise God. But All right, Luke 16. Look at verse 16. Jesus, once again, is speaking. He says, the law and the prophets were until John. Now, who's, what John's he talking about? John the Baptist. And since that time, the kingdom of God is preached, and every man presses into it. So here's Jesus. He says, what was preached until John the Baptist? The law and the prophets. But now, say now. Now, when is now? Now. But now what is preached? He said the kingdom of God is now preached. So the law and the prophets were fulfilled. 
Jesus had come. He came and he provided a way of righteousness apart from the law. And the Father said, now hear ye him. And what did Jesus preach? Repent, because the kingdom of God is at hand. If you've never heard anybody preach on the kingdom of God, you need to get into the kingdom of God, because that's what Jesus preached. This is what he preached all the time. So up until that time, it was the law and the prophets. You can see a divide of something that took place there. All at once it said, now the kingdom of God must be preached. So since God, the kingdom of God is preached, why is the kingdom of God preached? Why is it so important? Why should we preach the kingdom of God, especially when a lot of people aren't? When you don't hear it, when they're teaching everything, why, shouldn't you, why should we do it? Just because Jesus did it, why should we? I'm glad you asked. Go to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24, look at verse 3. And as Jesus sat upon the Mount of Olives, his disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of this world? Now, this is a pretty good question for Jesus. They asked him, what, what was the sign of his coming? What was the end of the world? Now, I heard for years that the year 2000 was going to be the end of the world. As soon as the computers turned, everything was going to blow. I heard at 9-11, the bombings. This was the end of the world. This is what's happening here. And the church basically has no idea what to do. Some of them tell you, it's just a mystery. Nobody knows for sure what's going on. All right, look at verse 4. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. Now, notice, he didn't say it's none of your business. He said, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Now, the church gets all upset when these things happen. But yet Jesus right here said these things are going to happen. They're going to take, there's going to be wars. There's going to be rumors of war. Look at verse 7. Nation is going to rise against nation. How many know it's happening? Kingdom is going to rise against king. There's going to be famines, pestilence, earthquakes. I, was, I just don't know what's going on. I've been praying. Well, God already told you through Jesus what was going to happen. Relax. Take a chill pill. My goodness sakes. Many shall come in his name. Wars and rumors of wars. We see it in the Middle East. We see it all over. Nation against nation. Look at verse 8. And these are the... The beginning of sorrows. This isn't the end. This is just the beginning of sorrows. All right, let's move up to verse 14. So Jesus finally answers their question. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Well, Jesus never told us. Yes, he did. He told you right there. And this gospel, say this gospel. Notice, not just any gospel. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached into all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then, say and then. Notice, and then the end shall come. So not any gospel, but this gospel of the kingdom. So when the gospel of the kingdom is preached into all the world, then the end shall come. So why hasn't the end come yet? Because we haven't preached the kingdom of God anywhere, much less to all nations. Notice he said, for a witness to all nations. That word nations there is actually the word ethnos or ethnic. It talks about like special groups. It talks about like special cultures, groups that have common thoughts, language, ideals, commitments. 
like lawyers. Lawyers have a certain way to talk. How many of you know that? Certain way they think, certain way they act. Medical people. Have you ever tried to get a report from a doctor? You didn't know two words he said by the time he was talking to you for a half hour. Why, they have a different way of talking. They have a different way of acting. That is their epnus. That is their, their epnic, basically. So what's he talking about here? He's talking about there's going to come a day when we preach the gospel of the kingdom into all the world, and it's going to spread with the language of the kingdom. It's going to spread with the morals of the kingdom. It's going to spread with the culture of the kingdom. So we all speak the same language, look the same ways. And this kingdom is not just for other nations. How many know it's for our own lives? It's kingdoms for our own family. It's for our own church. It's for our own workplace. The Bible says it's like yeast. If you can just get a little yeast in the dough sooner or later, it's going to explode, and it's going to change people's individual lives, going to change our home, and going to change our relationships. So the end does not depend on a blood moon, not on a war, not on the latest prophecy. The end is controlled by God's people, the church, when we fulfill our purpose and start preaching and spreading the kingdom of God. So notice the end depends on who? It depends on us, don't it? All right, look at verse 36. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as the days that were before the flood, they were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also be the coming of the Son of Man. Now he's talking about the end times again, isn't he? He's talking, he said, you know what it's like? Let me get another example. It's like the days of Noah. Well, what happened in the days of Noah? People were eating, people were drinking, people were going to the store, people were going to Disneyland, people were doing all the things that they want to do. And Noah basically was told to build an ark, even though it hadn't rained yet. He was told to build an ark. And he was supposed to preach there's a flood coming. So Noah, what did he do? He obeyed. He built the ark. And he built the ark. How I many you know it took him a long time to build that ark? And he built the ark. And then all at once it came to the place where he finished the ark. And when he finished the ark and went inside, then the rains came. Now listen, when he finished building the ark and went inside, then the rains came. So it wasn't up to God when the rains would come. It was up to Noah when the rains would come. Because when Noah fulfilled his purpose, the rains came. When we fulfill our purpose, the end will come. That's what he's trying to explain here. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. When we finish our assignment, then the end will come. When this gospel of the kingdom of God is preached, but how can we preach a gospel we don't even know? We're experts in religion. We're experts in Christianism, but not in the kingdom of God. So the kingdom is God's original purpose. It's his will. It's his intent. He wants to extend his kingdom into the world through mankind, through a family of sons and daughters who he created, so that his will on earth would be done just like it is in heaven. So God's plan and purpose is still there. So the kingdom of God has already entered. It came back with Jesus. He said, repent, for the kingdom of God is here. Now notice the word repent is not, I'm sorry, not, not I've sinned so much. The word repent is think in line with have the same thoughts of, completely change your way of thinking. That's what repent means. He's not talking about sin here. He's talking about lining up with a kingdom that you know nothing about and thinking like the kingdom would think, thinking like God would think, not like we think. I mean, you know, most of us have been conditioned by the world. 
We think like the world. We talk like the world. We act like the world. Our culture came from the world. Jesus said, man, when you start finding out about the kingdom, you're going to have to repent. And you're going to have to turn your way around of thinking. You're going to, I mean, when I was in the world, I wasn't giving money to get money. Are you out of your mind? I'd steal money to get money. But I sure wasn't going to give money to get money. And now once I get in the kingdom of God, it says give. And it'll be given to you, pressed down, shaken together. You know how many know I had to repent? How many know what it said? Love your enemies. In the world, it was kill, beat up, do something to your enemies. Then once you get in the kingdom of God, and you find out a new thing there. Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So how many know there had to be a repentance there? You've got to change the way you think. And that's why many... Christians are living in defeat out there because they've never conditioned their minds and even though they're in the kingdom of God and they've been born again, they're still living like the world. If you live like the world, you're going to get the world's results because you only get the kingdom when you're operating in the kingdom of God. Basically, that's where your access comes. So basically, we need to repent. We need to change our way of thinking. We need to align with him. God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. But then he didn't say, you're just so stupid, you're never going to get it. He said, I sent you my word, and the word of God will come into your heart and into your mind, and you'll start to see things my way, and you'll start to walk my way and operate my way. And as your soul prospers, you'll live in health. And as your soul prospers, you'll prosper. And as your soul, but if your soul don't prosper, none of those things will be a effective in your life so he wants us to change he wants us to repent and turn towards the kingdom of God all right go to John chapter 1 all right John chapter 1 look at verse 12 but as many as received him, talking about Jesus, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. How many of you received him? How many of you believe on his name? Notice what he says here. But as many as received him, to them he gave them power to become what? Sons of God, to live like a son of God, to live like a son of God would. Look at verse 13. These people were born of, not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, not of the will of man, but we have been born by who? We're born of God. God is our seed. God is our source. So here it says, you can become a son of God, not a servant of God. Religion has taught all of us to be servants of God. We're just serving God. We're just doing our best to help God up. God don't want servants. He wants sons. He wants sons and daughters of God, those with power, those with authority. He don't want you living like slave. Uh, how did he explain it? How many know he explained a lot of things in parables? So he talked about the prodigal son. He says there's this son, went away, spent his inheritance, lived in the pig pen, was eating hus, and all at once came back to the father. He came to himself. Say he came to himself. I don't know what that means, but he did. And he came back, and basically he's coming to him, and he came to the father. He said, I'm just so unworthy. I just ain't no good. I don't even deserve to be called your servant. I don't even, and, and, and the father said, what's the matter with you? My gosh, and he killed the fatted calf, and he put a robe on him, and he hugged him and he kissed him. See, we have a lot of prodigal sons in Christianity yet. But in the kingdom, you're no longer a prodigal son. You're a son of the living God, praise God. You have authority, you have power, you have a relationship with God. And religion teaches us to serve our way into God. God did everything for us. Jesus provided everything for you. Your righteousness is yours. Your health is yours. Your power is yours. Your authority is yours. Your peace is yours till you give it away. Your joy is yours till you give it away. All these things belong to each and every one of us. But he had another son. How many remember that one? See, God's good at this stuff. And what did he say? Well, I've did this for you, and I've did that for you, and I've did this for you, and you didn't even give me a cow. And what did he say? 
You've always been my son. You don't have to do this, that, this, and that to get it. You're my son. It already belonged to you. You just never asked for it. So what's he showing us? He's showing a group of people who no longer believe kingdom. They believe Christianity. They believe religiosity to basically where they've got to do something to impress God, to become a son, to act like God. You're not a servant of God. You're not a slave of God. You are a son and daughter of the living God. And you have an opportunity now to use all the things he's given us to extend the kingdom of God into this. To become a son means to think like God, to live like God, to act like God. Basically, you'll be restored back into Genesis chapter 1. Let us make man in our image and in our likeness and let him have dominion. See, God doesn't change just because we messed up. He took us right back. Everything Jesus did was to take us back to Genesis chapter 1 and give us the same power, the same position, the same authority and everything. Basically, what he said is take two. You ever see that on the thing? (laughs) Take two. We're going to try this again. Here comes the kingdom again. Let's see if we don't mess it up this time. Adam and Eve messed it up. So what was he doing? He was starting over at that time. He was doing the same thing back then, only we are the new people. We are the ones that benefit from that. All right, go to Ephesians chapter 2. All right, Ephesians chapter 2, look at verse 19. It says, now, when? Now, therefore, you are no more strangers. You're not foreigners, but your fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Here it says, now, once you come into the kingdom of God, you are not a, a subject, you are not a servant, you are a son and a citizen of God. So when it starts talking about citizen, we go back to government, don't we? The kingdom of God is not a religion. It's not religiosity. It is a government, a spiritual government, just like we have the natural government. The only problem is every time man tries to duplicate God's government and some guy takes over who's a dictator, he's not like God. In other words, he's corrupt. He wants to take from people. God wants to give to people. God wants to bless people. God wants to take care of his children. So the Bible is always about a kingdom and a government. That's where you'll get a lot of revelation if you believe that. In a kingdom, we do not vote in the leader. In a kingdom, we do not vote in laws. We cannot vote to change laws. We cannot vote the leader out because it is a kingdom. All those are different than our democracy. In our democracy, if you don't like who's in there after four years, we can vote him out. You can't vote God out. He's in. You can't change his laws. He's already spoken them and they're there. And the church is doing that. How many know the church? I was studying in the Old Testament how the people of Israel, my gosh, they they would try to obey God, then they'd mess up, and then they'd go through hell. And then they come out on the other end, and God would get them again, and they try to do it again, and they wouldn't get it, and they go out. And sometimes I see the church the same way. You know? Uh, well, we're saved. We love God. We're in the kingdom. And then they're living like the devil for so long, and all, once things get so bad that they come back to God again. And God's always waiting. He's ready because he's got a purpose and a plan for you, and you're the only one that can fulfill the thing. So he's going to wait on you as long as he can and help you as much as you can to do what your purpose is and get you to do what belongs to you. So earthly kingdom basically are different than the heavenly kingdom that's being ushered in. It can't come from mankind. Mankind can't think it up. In an earthly kingdom, there are something called subjects. Say subjects. The word sub means below. It means a reject. Many people have a subject mentality. Low self-esteem. Low self-value. I'm a sinner. I'm a loser. I'm a victim. In God's kingdom, there are no subjects. There are only son and family members. Citizens, not subject, 
sons and not servants. Jesus is not the king of subjects. He's the king of and the Lord of Hallelujah. In an earthly kingdom like over in England, you're not allowed. How many know if you went over there and the queen was holding some kind of conference or something, you couldn't run up on stage and sit in her seat? How many know you'd probably end up in jail, wouldn't you? Because you can't do that. But in the government that we're at, basically he has raised us up and he's already seated us in heavenly places, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion. I like this kingdom. I don't know about you, but it's a good kingdom. In earthly kingdoms, basically, subjects will die to save their king. If you see some of the old movies, they're coming against the castle, and the subjects are getting up, and they're dying to save their king. Well, that's not that way in our kingdom. In the kingdom of God, the king died to save the people, not the people die to save the king. God's original purpose and intent was sons and not servants. It was basically citizens and not Christians. Christianity has become religious creatures. If you're a citizen, you will become a legal creature. Citizens have become comfortable to be poor, to be sad, to be depressed, to be broke, to be all these things. Why? Because God's just going to do it. He's going to be in control of everything. Well, he's not in control of anything. And a lot of times in Christianity, especially when I was deep into it, I was doing acts to appease God to convince God to do something in my life, to whatever it took. Look, God, I went to church Sunday. I went to church Wednesday. I prayed in tongues for 15 minutes yesterday. God, God, you got to do this. You got to do that. You got to help me. You got to, and none of it was based on that because God wanted to do all that stuff and I was blocking him from doing it by being a servant mentality rather than being a son. Citizens and sons know who they are. They have rights. You have rights in the kingdom of God. It is your job to enforce your rights in the kingdom of God. It's the same way here in, in this government. If you're in Social Security and your check doesn't show up, how many know the president is going to call you and make sure you get it? Come on, nobody's going to come to you and say, hey, man, you're missing a check, aren't you? Yeah, I'm glad you noticed and came in. No, no, you're going to have to say, hey, buddy, that check belongs to me. That's supposed to come every night on the 15th. That check is mine legally, and you're going to go after that thing. It's the same way in the kingdom of God. Health belongs to us. Forgiveness belongs to us. Peace and joy belong to us. Victory belongs to us. So when the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, see, he can't steal something that don't already belong to you or he wouldn't be stealing. So he steals our peace. He steals our joy. Why? Many times he gets us off on our own plans rather than his purpose again. Well, I just thought it was going to be a, such a good day, and it just didn't work out at all. And Well, then you had the wrong purpose. If your purpose was to go to the beach and maybe run into somebody or pray for somebody or do something, and it happened, that's fine. And if it didn't, at least your purpose was lined up, and your plan would have been a lot better for you. So your plans must line up once again with his purpose. The kingdom is not made up of Christians. It's made up of sons of the living God. Today, if you listen to the news, Christianity is grouped in with every other religion. They'll say that there's Hindu, there's New Age, there's Buddhist, and there's Christians. They make us out to be a religion. Do you ever have somebody come up to you and say, you're a religious person? You're not. They see you as religious, but you're not anything but religious. But anybody that prays, anybody that goes to church is, quote, religious. You're not religious. You're kingdom. You don't do things out of religion. You don't do things so God will do things for you. You don't beg God to do things. You don't plead God to do things. God's already did them, and he's on your side and wants everything that he's already provided for you to be in your life. Look at Jesus. They couldn't figure out who he was. He wasn't a Sadducee. He wasn't a Herodian. He wasn't a Pharisee. Finally, the disciples got it one day. Remember that? Who do men say that I am? And Peter out of nowhere said, 
Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said, oh my, you got it. Hallelujah. Somebody finally got it. And Peter was excited about getting it. So then what did Jesus say? I got to go to the cross so all you become sons of God. Peter said, wait, 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 wait. I've got revelation now, you know. Let me just straighten you out here a little bit. They, but somebody got it. Somebody found out who he was. He wasn't, and they tried to put him into a mold the whole time. They kept trying to fit him in, but they couldn't fit him in because he didn't belong anywhere. Some people even said he was John the Baptist, resurrected from the dead, my goodness sakes. So religion, basically, I found out was my search for God. Kingdom, God has come down to me. Glory to God. Remember the, the veil of the temple? It wasn't ripped from the bottom to the top. It was ripped from the top to the bottom. Why is that? Because God came after me. Hallelujah. God chased me down, and at the age of 30, he finally caught me. Praise God. In the kingdom of God, basically, wealth is a common thing. It's for everybody. There are no rich. There are no poor. Why is that? Because every kingdom citizen has access to everything the kingdom has. I will supply all your needs according to the riches of the kingdom, but you have to access those, and you're not going to get them by crying to God and telling him you ain't got enough money to pay the mortgage this week. You do it because you, it belongs to you, praise God. Thank God you're going to supply all my needs. Glory to God. Don't look like it. I don't care. Don't make any difference to me. So the kingdom of God don't have rich and poor. It just has ignorant and knowledge. And if you have knowledge, you're going to be rich. You have knowledge in the kingdom of God and how to operate all these things. You have the same access as everybody else. As a matter of fact, it's your inheritance. The Bible never says you're going to get an inheritance. It says you have an inheritance of God. It already belongs to us. When did we get that inheritance? Well, we had to get it when somebody died. Ain't that when you get an inheritance? Well, we got it when Jesus died, right? Did Jesus die? See, the church has taught us that we get our inheritance when we die. When you die, you're going to go to heaven, and don't worry, peace, joy, and everything's going to be wonderful for you. You don't get an inheritance when you die. You get an inheritance when somebody else has died. So basically, what do they do? Once again, they made it be saved and go to heaven. Be saved and go to heaven. No purpose, no plan for your life. Just do your best and hold on. So we sing songs about going up to the pearly gates and the streets of gold, and we can't wait. And why don't you do what you're supposed to do down here? And when you get fulfilled, then you can just go off and, and get it done because you're finished. But we don't see it that way. See, there's a plan and a purpose for your life, and it's here all the time. You just have to understand who you are and what the kingdom has to say. So all have the same access to the kingdom wealth. It is an inheritance. And that means if that's the case, then there's no jealousy or competition. There is in the world, boy. Everybody mad at this one got that, this one's got that. There's competition. Who can do what? Because if I have access, I can access anything anybody else accessed. And if I'm not accessing them, I'm not going to get jealous. I want to find out how they're accessing it because I want to access it too. Though no sense being jealous. You find somebody doing better than you, praise God, find out why. Don't say, oh, God just loves them more than me. It has nothing to do with that. It's already been provided for you for your inheritance. So you can have anything you want, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Well, why don't people have that? Go to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4, look at verse 1. It says, now, say now. now. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differs nothing from a servant or slave, though he be Lord of all. But he's under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the Father. Even so we, when we were children, we were in bondage under the elements of the world. But with the fullness of time has come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law. So notice what it says. You can be Lord of all and still live like a child. You can be Lord of all, still live like a slave. And notice what it says. But there's good news. You're still under a tutor and you're still under a what? 
Governor. Say governor. governor. Now, who's the governor? The Holy Ghost. Remember last week? God, God whenever there's a, a colonization that comes, they take somebody who has God's mind, God's heart, and they stick them on the earth to help everybody get the same mind and the same heart. And he, that's the Holy Ghost who came back to live on the inside of each and every one of us. So he says, even if you're acting like a child and a servant, don't worry. You're under a good tutor. He's going to show you if you want to learn, if you want to grow up, if you want to think like God, if you want to act like God. You've got royal blood on the inside of you. Wealth and position belong to you. You can speak. In the kingdom of God, that's why it says there is no black or white. There is no Jew or Greek. There is no male or female. What are we? We're all children of the living God. We're all in the family of God, sons and daughters of God. And what's most of the fighting in the earth today? Jew or Greek, black or white, uh, whatever. Because they're keeping everything in the natural realm. The devil wants to keep your sight in the natural realm, not in the real realm, which is the spiritual realm. So we want to get in a fight with everybody down. This one's black, and this one's white, and this one's... No, they're all spirit beings, and they're either one or the other. They're either in the kingdom of God, or they're not in the kingdom of God. They're either in the kingdom of God and ignorant, or they're in the other. But the thing is, once we get in the kingdom of God, if you would have learned the kingdom of God from the day you got born again, you would be a spiritual giant right now. You'd be ruling and reigning in every single area of your life. You wouldn't have wasted, I mean, I've wasted four, five, six, seven, eight years being a fool. Because nobody told me, and everybody was teaching me, was teaching me to be a fool. And, and just try harder. You almost got it now. God's going to do it in his time. Well, his time was 2,000 years ago. He was already provided all this stuff to put it off so you don't have faith. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. Well, faith isn't he's going to do it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And now faith is, the Bible says. Not down the road someplace, right now. What's your faith right now? He's going to do it. Well, then your faith ain't going to work because he ain't going to do what he already did. He ain't going to suffer and die again. But these are things we've been taught. You know, if you wouldn't get taught these, you wouldn't have to unlearn these things. But you've got to unlearn them, and you do that through spending time in the Word of God. Praise God. All right. Let's go to Revelations chapter 1. Reminds me of that old song they used to sing. There is a great and mighty army in the earth today, dressed in splendid armor, bearing full array. The hordes of darkness tremble when you walk their way. There is a great and mighty army in the earth today. Well, that army's finally being raised up. And you're not even really an army because you don't have to be an army because everything already belongs to you. You already get the justice that you want and already get everything that you need from the Father. And how many know you got something called angels? All right, Revelations chapter 1, look at verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead. Say the first begotten. begotten. Now, I don't know what number I am, and I don't care. I just know I've been begotten. The first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his blood. How many of you know that's good news? So this, this basically was the Christian gospel that I heard. Jesus loves you. Well, praise God. Jesus forgives you. Praise God. Jesus is with you. Praise God. Jesus is always there with you. But nobody ever preached the next verse. And has made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So nobody told me that. They just told me I was born again, forgiven my sins, and I was going to go to heaven someday, and that was the end of it. Nobody told me he restored to me my original position, my original place, my original authority, so that I could rule on the earth today, right now. It's available. Man was created in God's image and God's likeness and given a purpose to have dominion and rule over all. He was created to dominate his domain, and our domain is the 
earth. Father's dominion is heaven. That's why we pray, our Father who art in Hallowed be thy name. Why? Because that's where he is. We're down here, basically. When Adam fell, all mankind fell. We lost our position. We lost our dominion. And more important than anything, we lost the governor. The Spirit of God was taken away at that time. God sent Jesus back. He loved us. He washed us of his blood and saved us. That's the Christian gospel. But the kingdom gospel is he then made us kings and priests. Notice he didn't make us servants trying to serve God doing my best to serve him. You are not a servant. According to the Bible, you are a king. How do we serve God the best? Act like a king. We lose our servant and victim mentality, and we start to think like kings and priests who we are. God made you a king for the purpose of bringing heaven to earth, not of you going to heaven. How many of you know you're a king down here, but once you die and go to heaven, you're not going to be a king up there because there's already a king up there, and you're certainly not going to take his place. So you're actually going to be demoted from a king to a prince up there because God is the only king that's going to be up there. So Christianity and religion continues to seek God, but notice he came to find you. The Bible says you did not choose me. I chose you. What did he choose you? Chose you to be a son, a citizen, a king, a priest, to fulfill his purpose, his original intent, to establish his kingdom on the earth realm. So Jesus says, repent, for the kingdom of God is here. Think differently. Think like a son of God. Think like a citizen of heaven. Think like a king. Jesus is the king of kings, and he is the Lord of lords. All right, go to Romans chapter 5. All right, Romans chapter 5, look at verse 17. It says, for if by one man's offense, death, both spiritual and physical, reigned by one. How many know that's what Adam did? So by one man or Adam's offense, death reigned by one. Much more they which receive the abundance of grace, which is free gift, and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Here it says, if we receive the abundance of grace that he freely provided, we receive the righteousness that's been provided for us, the authority that's been given to us, the power that's been given to us. Basically, what is righteousness? It is living in right standing with God, right alignment with God, staying in right position with God. If we can receive what he provided, repent and think like sons and kings, we should be reigning and ruling in this life. Now, if we reign and, and, and rule in this life, how many know that we are doing what we were created to do? Because that's what Genesis 1 says we're supposed to be doing. See, you're a ruler. You're not a victim. You're a reigner. You're not somebody who's always beat up all the time and everything's going wrong. No, get out of that attitude and get up above where you're supposed to be. You were born again into a kingdom. You're a royal family. You're not in a religious family. Your new position is a king in this life. And a king's purpose is to rule. Why live sick if you're a king? Why live broke if you're a king? How many know, have you ever seen a king who's broke? No. You can be a Christian and live defeated, but you cannot be a king and live defeated. Your position and authority are of God himself. It's not a question of do I have faith. It's a question of are you a king? You can question your faith, but you cannot question if you're a king. Because you became a king by grace. It was given to you. Your position was awarded to you. It's not something you earned. Well, I'm just a king because I did so good. Well, what happens when you do so bad? Do you lose your throne? See, thank God it's not dependent on us. It's dependent on him. And it's by grace, through faith, we receive this stuff. So 
a lot of things in your life that you claim that you are, you've got to stop claiming that you are because you're the one receiving them. I'm just so stupid. I'm just so dumb. I'm just so lazy. I never do anything right. I just can't seem to please everybody. I just have a down day, it seems like, every other day. I'm just so depressed today. I just can't. All that stuff is stuff that you're claiming, and you have the authority to do it. You're a king. You're a king and priest. You can, you can claim whatever you want to claim, and that's the kind of stuff we grew up on. So whatever your parents told you that's not aligned with the, with the kingdom of God, you've got to disregard that. I don't care how much you loved your parents. They didn't know what was going on. Your boss may have told you something. He's a liar. We've got to believe what God said we were, praise God, and who we are. A devil's after me all day long. Well, he'd not be after you if you knew you were a king. He'd turn around and run the other way. But we want to be the victim. We want to have an excuse for things going wrong. We want a reason to worry. We want a reason to be down. All that stuff is not kingdom stuff. That's Christian stuff. And Christians use it just to get attention. Oh, I'm doing so bad. Please listen to me and help me. Pet me a little bit and pat me. That ain't going to do you any good. It feels good in your emotions, but it's not going to help you when the battle comes. How many of you know that? When the devil comes, just run him off. The Bible says, give no place to the devil. Resist the devil and he will. So you can't not resist him and expect him to go anywhere. I just wish the devil would leave me. Resist him, he'll go, according to the Bible. See, we don't want to obey the word. But we've been taught this way. We've been conditioned this way. Everybody has a problem. Everybody's got issues. Everybody's got this. As long as you have an issue, I don't care how many times you get delivered from that issue, you're still going to have that issue. We prayed over him and the devil came out. He'll be right back in there tomorrow. Because the guy's going to think he's the same thing and be the same thing. As a man thinks in his heart, so is I suffer from rejection all the time. Come out. Oh, I feel so much better. The next day, suffering from rejection again. What's the matter with you? I suffer from rejection all the time. Just keep claiming it. See, you're wasting your time. If you're going to deliver people and just leave them out there, they'll be the same they are. They're going to be back to you the next day and the next day and the next day, and your phone's going to ring and your phone's going to ring. It, it doesn't work that way. Their mind has to be changed to line up with who they are in the kingdom of God in order to receive what God has already done for them. So basically, you've got to change all that stuff. I'm a loser. We're always been poor. All that stuff's not of kingdom unless you can find some place in the Bible where God says you're a loser, you're a victim, you're no good, you're not going to make it. No, all that stuff are lies of the devil and people that the devil used to speak things into your life. No more bad days. You have no more bad days. There's going to be no more bad days. I'm not having another bad day. Have a, do you have an opportunity to have a bad day? Every day. But you don't have to have a bad day until you start talking about your bad day. And the more you start talking about your bad day, the worse your bad day gets because you're feeling the bad day that you're already in at that time. Yeah. <laughs> See, we do it ourselves. And then we think the devil's attacking us and the demons are attacking us. And it's just you fighting yourself. Your own little corner beating yourself up. You do one thing, do the other. No, get your confession straight. Line it up, praise God. It takes more than just a deliverance. It takes a deliverance of this thing right here yeah. to line up with the word of God. You're a king and you're a priest unto God, praise God. All right, go to Matthew chapter 18. All right, Matthew 18, look at verse 18. Jesus once again is speaking. He says, Verily I say unto you, now this is the way I was taught it, whatsoever God shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And if he don't want to bind it, he won't. And if he does, it does. And then if he did, fine. And if he didn't, fine. It's up to God anyway. It doesn't really make any difference. Just go ahead with what's going on because God will either bind it or he won't bind it. But that's not what it says. Ain't that what you were taught? Yeah. God would just bind it. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever 
you shall allow her loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven and again say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they ask it shall be done unto them my father which is in heaven for where two or three are gathered together in my name there am I in the midst now notice who does the binding here we do whatever you bind but I thought God was in control that's why you're living as a Christian and not as a king whatever you bind or whatever you loose. He made us a king on the earth, a king and a priest. He did not make you a slave. He did not make you a servant. He did not make you a Methodist. He did not make you a Catholic. He did not make you full gospel, part gospel, any gospel, no gospel. He made you a king. You are a king in the kingdom of God. We have been taught that we are just pawns with no control, a puppet for God. We have allowed sin to rule our lives. We have allowed weeds to rule our lives. We have allowed medicine to rule our lives. Basically, we allow plants. We allow alcohol, all these things to dominate us when we're the ones who have the authority over those things. People come to me and say, I'm a Christian with a drug habit. I say, no, you're a Christian who doesn't know he's a king. If you knew you are a king, you wouldn't have a drug habit. You take authority over that drug habit. You're the king of that. It's not the king of you. So you were created a son, a citizen, a king. Your position is a legal position. Say legal. You have legal rights as a citizen and a king to be a king. A king will not tolerate the devil. He's not going to put up with the devil. He's certainly not going to agree with the devil. He will cast out the devil and destroy his works. He has to go, not because you are a good little Christian without, with faith, but because you are a king seated in heavenly places, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion. You have a legal right to demand. You have a legal right to command. You have a legal right to bind. You have a legal right to loose, to heal, to set free, and to live free. He has made you a king and a son. You are now a kingdom citizen not by your works but by his works and because he has placed you in the kingdom of God you can live a kingdom life in victory in every single area of your life hallelujah let's pray father I thank you for your word again tonight I thank you for opening our eyes up and my eyes up to different things even as I teaching and preaching tonight father just let the revelation of the spirit of God abound in the hearts of each and every one of us I pray that anybody listens to this thing on the tape that it would jump off the page in their hearts and in their minds that they would come to see that it's time for a group of people to rise up and be who you made us to be that we take advantage of everything that you provided for each and every one of us we don't let it go for nothing but we take advantage of it and we rule and reign in this life and we bring heaven into the earth realm more and more each and every day we thank you for this night and for your spirit and all that you've done in our minds and our hearts today and we give you praise for it in jesus name and everybody said amen, amen. all right praise god all right.